Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Markets, of course, still reacting post-USDA reports of Wednesday. We saw a big drop happen in the, the soybeans. The corn was able to fight back for the most part and visit it finish that is into the positive territory wheat not so much and on the livestock side it ended up being kind of a mixed market there but let's look at what's been happening on this grain complex you know the soybeans definitely gave back a big chunk of what we saw in the gains yesterday as we talked today with sue martin sue is with agate investments out of clarion iowa and 24 hours <laughs> post report markets reacting still well, like you thought well, I think, you know, uh, when was the last time you seen beans go limit up? And it's been a long time. I'm not sure I can remember the last one. And, um, you know, they went limit up. And so they have expanded limits of $1.05 for today. And, of course, usually that'll take some of the wind out of the sales. But I think overnight when the May contract came within three and three-quarter cents, of new contract highs and couldn't do it. But the July did. It went four cents over its uh, previous contract high. Um, I think that was a little tone of disappointment. And then I think that um, uh, when we look at um, the stocks report, technically the USDA found two million more uh, million more bushels of soybean stocks out of residual. And so, you know, that number would indicate that possibly they could come in here on April 9th and maybe either leave the ending stocks or ending carryout uh, steady or just up slightly from, uh, you know, the month of March. I think that um, that was a disappointment. The acres coming out as they did was rather surprising. Uh, you know, the trade was right under 90 million acres. I was there too and, and thinking we'd have 90 million and I think the trade was like 89 point, you know, 996 million acres or something like that. And so, you know, the acres coming out less was a little bit of a surprise, even though they were up about 5% from a year ago. Um, but, you know, the market, I think, was leaned with a lot of the public out of the market going into this uh, report. And so you get this follow-through overnight, and then you fail to make higher highs in the May, and the market just says, oh, we have a long three-day weekend. You know, what if they show, you know, moisture coming in, you know, next week and what have you? It's just... I think they just wanted to take some risk off. And, you know, technically, if you're doing calendar, we did uh, new highs on the July on still in the month of March. But on a, on a chart, since nighttime trade is part of the day session, you don't see it that way. So, you know, the market did what it did, falling back. Do I think our highs are in? No, I really don't. Uh, my daily indicators are extremely overdone. Um, still negative on the timer, the floater's positive. But, um, you know, when I look at uh, the timer, uh, we're only at 5%, have not turned positive yet. It's just kind of lost all of its momentum. But we did close today in a, right against our lows, but right on some major support. So the key will be now, can we hold here and start back up on Sunday night into Monday? 
if we're any good, we should. And, uh, of course, you know, the first trading day or two of a new month has either been lows or highs. And so here we are. Uh, it looks almost like a double top, but, um, you know, and we're certainly right back into that range-bound affair. Would not want to see the market now come down and take out the lows here uh, that we had this past week. Um, that would be a little disappointing. That would be, you know, taking out 1364 and three quarters, uh, 1364 and a quarter right in there. That would be very disappointing to see if the market did something like that. And it would be telling you something. But when I look at my indicators, I have to put my faith there. And that speaks to that. Any pullback here is probably going to catch and still try to send us back up again. You know, there was a lot of folks when those numbers came out yesterday and the amount of acre increase, for example, that we saw in South Dakota and in North Dakota on soybeans. Many folks are saying, yeah, let's just wait and see what the numbers say in the next report. Well, I do think this report puts... um, uh, does put the uh, market on guard what it it does two things it really makes the weather market very uh, important and it's always important but it's really going to make it important because for example in corn you've got um, South American corn safarina the second crop the largest crop the one that usually is exported but this year uh, because of sugar cane going out as raw sugar into the export market, you know, the second crop of corn is going to have to help cover some of that base for ethanol. But I think also that late planted safrina corn is going to be pollinating, a chunk of it will be pollinating right into the hottest time of their of their summer. And that will also then coincide with what we're seeing or hearing for weather reports. We've got three now on deck that are calling for from about April 15th on, we start to move warmer and drier. And all of May is to be above normal temps and, of course, drier, below normal precip, as is June. Kind of reminds me of the year of 1988, where we had um, a market that had been meandering from the fall of 87 that had been dry, and then the day after Memorial Day, the markets took off and didn't look back. Well, stick around, folks. We're going to talk more about this and and what we're seeing as we move closer to more planting here in the U.S. Stick around. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Susan Littlefield. We're continuing this conversation. Sue is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. So talking weather and Brazil, and then you bring up uh, 87-88. There's a lot of what-ifs right now that are going into this uh, planting season. I think more, Sue, than what we saw last year when we didn't know what was happening in the world with everything that was happening with the pandemic. But this year, there's just such a strong focus on, on weather. I think more than it has been in a while. Well, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, the one thing for corn, for example, is that market was kind of like a reluctant child. It had reasons to be going higher, but it just wasn't getting it done very easily. And this report opened, I think, some eyes. And as we get into June and we're going towards that final um, acreage number 
And then, of course, you know, how can you fudge on this one? Because there's so much drought through the country. The drought monitor keeps showing how it's expanding and, and we are so dry that um, you won't be able to argue with that one. But the kicker is I have clients in North Dakota, maybe a little northern Minnesota, but mostly North Dakota and pushing a little infringing on Montana. And they're telling me that if it continues, some of them have said they haven't had moisture since last August. And they're saying in their areas that, and I heard it on more than one in different areas, but kind of along that northern belt or whatever, they're telling me that if they don't have rain this next week, that they're probably going to take prevent plant um, because it's just so bone dry. They don't want to put seed in the soil if they're not going to have any moisture. And so I thought that was interesting because we always think of prevent plant with too much moisture that you can't get in the fields. This time around, they can get in the fields, but they just are reluctant to plant because it is bone dry. And I, and you know, like one of them said, you know, we've had a warmer than normal winter. They're going to be 80 degrees on Easter Sunday. We're going to be 79, so we're going to be close. But um, they said, other than those two weeks of bitterly cold temps that we all experienced, he said, you know what? We have been so mild this year that we've remained dry. But what they forget is that bitterly cold temperatures with no moisture in the ground is like freeze-drying. And it just makes the situation worse. So I I think it's, you know, if we get that situation happening, which is, like I say, a, a take I would have never thought of, but if we get it, uh, we're going to have to be saying, wow, can't argue with that because this year we ought to know what those acres really are. Does it make you nervous at all? No. Actually, <laughs> I, I hate to say this, Susan, but... You know, I'm that $30 girl on yep. beans and uh, $42 girl on wheat and on uh, corn, possibly somewhere in between, maybe 18. It could be 15, but up some upward in that area. Um, and I thought, you know, through 2023. Now, not all they don't all three have to do it at the same time in the same year. They can stagger it. But when I go back and I look at the millennials and how they are so bent on trading Bitcoin. And you don't think, Bitcoin, look what it's done. And you don't think, one, they don't have respect for a market. It's been so easy for them. Mm -hmm. And at some point, that money's coming to commodities. I read yesterday where the CEO of, um, or maybe it was a CFO, of J.P. Morgan made a comment that they have so much money on deposit that they are looking at it fairly soon starting to either charge an interest charge on those deposits. Now, excuse me, but they're using that money for nothing or next to nothing. Now they're going to charge you an interest charge for you to let them use your money. And then they said, or they may stop taking deposits. Now, Where's that money going to go? They're not going to let have money sit in there and be charged so, by someone else to to let it sit there. So what they're going to end up doing is that money's going to find a place. It's going to be farmland. It's going to go into assets. And 
I think commodities and I think millennials are going to find their way into the markets. And, you know, it's all of this market asset demand stuff meant, you know, coinciding along with weather and, um, and then on top of it, not only weather, but global demand that's been pent up after COVID and, you know, people having money. What about if the $15 uh, per hour wage, you know, minimum wage goes through? If that makes it through, that puts all the other wage levels and increases them higher still. Lots of things to think of about heading into an Easter weekend. Best way to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051, and you all have a great day. And that is the Fontenelle Happy Final. Easter. Yes, happy Easter to you, too. The Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local D- radio networks.